So I went to a graduation party last Sunday and I was standing and talking with this friend when this kid who's probably like, I don't know, seventh grade has the audacity to walk by in these red and white and black Nike Air Jordans. And like everything right now, they're cool because everything retro is kind of cool again, sort of this 90s thing sort of coming back. And so this kid is like, this dad and I are talking, you know, both in our 40s. We're standing there, middle-aged guys, you know, thinking back and we're just talking about stuff. He walks by and we look and I'm like, look at those shoes. He's like, yeah. And I said, man, I never had those shoes. Like, how does this kid have the audacity to come walking in these shoes and remind me of the stuff that all these other people had that I didn't have, these supposedly cool people in high school? Now, the crowd of cool people that I never really felt like I belonged to was usually referred to in my household as the they as I was growing up just sort of they. And I always laughed at my mom. It's still this running joke because she would always talk about this mysterious they that we couldn't seem to get a handle around. And the only way that I know to talk about them is that this they, it was always by talking about the shoes they were wearing or the jeans that they were wearing or the music that they were listening to. And maybe you had this experience growing up. I don't know. Maybe you were just one of those they, but it was always sort of like my mom would be like, oh, is that what they are wearing? Is that what they are doing? Is that what they have? And I always felt like I was one of those kids who didn't have the they that I really wanted to have. Being a part of the they felt like a kind of belonging. But as I get older, I'm starting to realize or I started to realize that the they that I really desperately wanted to be a part of when I was that age that they that I wanted belonged to, that I was reminded about when I saw those Air Jordans on that kid, that they that I felt like, man, I never really was a part of that they, that I felt when I saw him, that sort of just like part of me that said, man, I've always just wanted to be a they that's always based on surface stuff. And that kind, that stuff just never seems to go away. Even as we get older and we say, well, I I don't really care that I wasn't part of the they or I didn't have the they kind of stuff, it never seems to go away because being one of the they continues on throughout our lives. At some point, they becomes the kind of job you have. At some point, being a they is the kind of house you have or the kind of car you drive. It looks like the kind of vacations you take or the neighborhood you live in or the friends that you have or the stuff that your kids do. We don't really ever get out of being or wanting to be a part of the they. So what has to happen is we have to begin to think about things differently. We have to think about what is the they that I want to belong to. And is there a different they that I could belong to instead of the they that is based on all the surface stuff that we've been told matters our entire lives? Is there a different they that I can belong to that doesn't look like any of that stuff, but is a they that is built on so, something so much better? A they that gives me a sense of belonging based on a completely different set of criteria. That's the they that I want to talk about as we get into this devoted series today. There's a different kind of they, 
And I want to introduce us to that they today. This they is found in the book of Acts in our Bibles. The book of Acts is the second part of a two-part book we find in the New Testament. The first half of that book is the book of Luke, and it's the story of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. It tells about a group of people that Jesus gathered together, a group of disciples. He taught them his way of living before being crucified for the very thing that he taught others, the very way of life that he taught them. Then in the second act of that book, we pick up is the book of Acts. It picks, on what, uh, picks up on what happens after Jesus' resurrection, as these disciples experience the resurrected Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that empower them to tell and share and go, uh, uh, bringing the good news with them into the world. We read about that experience, what we call Pentecost, last week. And the chapter that closes that story ends with a picture of what happened next to the early followers of Jesus. And this picture is the they that I want to talk about today. So just to think about that, to sum all that up, and we're gonna, we've been talking about this story, which seems like for several weeks, but it's so important and it matters so much because it tells us about the birth of the church, which is a group of people, a gathering of people committed to the good news of Jesus. It's the kind of people that we're supposed to be, that we are called to be, that we want to be. Followers of Jesus gathered together, learning about what it means to follow Jesus, not always getting it right, but walking those steps together, learning about Jesus, exploring the way of Jesus, walking that way as one body, as one community, telling others about the good news of Jesus, inviting them to gather along with us in this way. But as we walk, there's a certain way we live, a certain way that we become, because that's the whole point of following the way of Jesus, is that we come, become different people on the journey than when we started. We, we started in one place, thinking about the way that we wanted our lives to go, the way that we wanted to head, the way that we wanted to be. And we said, I'm choosing a different way of life. I'm going to follow the way of Jesus. I'm going to belong to and become a part of this people who are living out the way of Jesus, calling others into it and living a different way, having different priorities, having different focuses, having my life success be based on different criteria than the they that I was told I wanted to belong to my entire life and instead becoming a part of a they that has a completely different set of criteria, a different set of priorities, a different set of ways of living and, and guiding my life defined by the way of Jesus. So at Pentecost is these disciples, these followers of Jesus gathered together in that moment, the Holy Spirit empowered them to go and be this church, this gathering of the followers of the way of Jesus. And that chapter concludes, it closes with a story of what happened to those followers as they got up out of those chairs, as they walked out of that upper room, as they then became the church of Jesus, as they became the followers of his way in this new season, in this new reality gathering together as the people of God. And I want you to see this picture of what happened here. I want you to see what took place in these followers because I think as we look at this, as this picture, as we think about the rebirth of our own church in this season, as we come out of this uh, incredible pandemic season that changed us, that changed the world, that changed how we live our lives, thinking about what does it look like to go forward as people and as people of the church, 
Let's look at this incredible model that we have before us of what happened to these people in this early church and how it changed their lives, how it helped them share the good news of Jesus, how it captivated everyone around them. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, before we get too far into this description of the early church, let's go back to the very beginning of this text, Acts 2.42, and listen what it says. Listen one more time. It says, they. So here's this they that we're talking about. This they that I want us to think about belonging to instead of the they in our lives today that seem to have all sorts of other priorities and all sorts of other ways to measure success. Maybe there's a better they we can belong to, and it's the they pictured here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of, pre- breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, we could simply say, who is they? And we could say, okay, the they is the early church. But I want us to really ask that question, who is they that they're talking about here? See, when we find something like this, and I always say this when we get into a scripture, when we read a passage, when you look at a passage, rather than just pulling it straight out of context, look at it and say, are there any questions that immediately come to mind about what I'm reading here? Is there anything weird? Is there anything strange? Is there anything not defined? And can I find a definition of it? Now, the amazing thing about scripture is that it was meant to be read in one sitting. So really, when you look at it and you say, okay, so what is this talking about here? Read after it, read before it, read read around it and you'll typically find the answers to those questions or at least lead you in the right direction towards that. So in this one, the first question I asked when I read this was, who is they? Well, the answer is found in the 41 verses prior to this verse. And we have read these verses over the past couple weeks. They're going to sound familiar to us, but there's so much going on here that I don't want to miss it as we explore this. It's easy to skip by. It's easy to, to, to skip it and realize, just not realize how significant this understanding was to the early church and our call as we step into the steps that they first walked. So let's go back. We're not going to read all 41 of those verses, but we're going to read enough to discover why it matters that we answer the question of who is they. So let's go back to these familiar verses and we're going to get an answer to this. Acts 2, starting in verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, which is the day we celebrated last week, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So here's the beginning of our answer to the question of who is 
they. They is this group of disciples, this group of Jesus followers who came together in this moment, who in this moment were empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and share the good news of Jesus. So the first thing we see is that they is this, is this group of followers of Jesus. But then we look and we see that there is actually a little bit more to this answer because it's not just this small group of followers of Jesus. That circle begins to grow and other people begin to hear about Jesus because of the good news that they are sharing. And this happens immediately here. See, this is what I always talk about this. I've been talking about this for a long time is that the circle is God's circle that, that people get invited into. We get invited, others get invited into. And that circle is always expanding. And it seems like throughout history, whenever anybody tried to limit the, 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 the look of that circle, when they tried to build walls around that circle, God continued to open up and push out that circle. And we see that even more happening here at Pentecost than we see almost anywhere else in scripture is that all of a sudden, this circle, which was this small group of people who followed Jesus, gets expanded as they begin to share the good news. Now listen, that happens in verse, size, or verse 4. It says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. And then it says this, Now! Now! So, so this is happening alongside something else important, and they're going to tell us why this matters. Now! They were staying in Jerusalem. So it's almost like, oh, and by the way, when this was happening to these people, there were also staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So then we see this expansion from every nation, from every nation under heaven. Now that's poetic language telling us, hey, everybody from the known world, is hanging out and hearing this message and seeing this happen to these disciples. People from different communities, countries, cities, all speaking different languages as they gathered in Jerusalem, unaware of what about was about to take place on that day when God suddenly moved among them. I think that last statement there is so important. These people were unaware of what was about to take place on that day when God suddenly moved among them. So you have people who are followers of Jesus. You have people around these followers of Jesus. And you have people who have a sense of anticipation. You have people who are willing to be in a place to experience a move of God. So that is the first day followers of Jesus, willing to experience the move of God among them, and the people surrounding them from all kinds of communities, from all kinds of places, who are about to hear the good news. That's what happens next. It says, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together and bewildered it, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, 
Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? So they ask, so what is the next part of they? This they is a group of people who when they experienced the sudden move of God, now look what they were. They were amazed. They were perplexed. They began to ask questions. What is God doing? What is happening? How should we respond to it? These are people willing to ask questions because they were amazed at what was taking place. They didn't try to define it so quickly. Instead, they say, what is God up to? What's happening? What is taking place right here? How is God leading us in this moment? All of them were amazed and perplexed at what was taking place. In the last week, we saw how Peter answered these questions. He told them that Jesus is the Lord and the Messiah, the King and the Savior. And then he told these people, repent, be baptized, and follow Jesus into a new way of living. So we find that in Acts 2, 38-39. We read last week, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so this they, this they that was made up the disciples who followed Jesus, who were ready for God to move among them, who began to share the good news of Jesus with a crowd, who now became the next level of the they, who then began to ask questions about what was God doing in their midst, they begin to ask these questions, and then they are told, follow Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Be baptized into his kingdom. He is the Lord and Messiah. Follow him. And then the they responded. It says those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 were added to their number that day. So a group of people that started that we could maybe count with our fingers and our toes, that they, because how God moved, turns into a they that includes 3,000 people. Now, with all that being said, let's finish that text again. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So who is they? We now see here the picture of what they looked like, but now we see who they is. They is this diverse group of people who experienced God, who asked questions, who gave their lives to Jesus and found themselves in a community that would change the world. Let me say that again. 
Because as we look at this picture, we see the picture of who we can and who we should be. A diverse group of people who experienced God, asked questions, gave their lives to Jesus, and found themselves in a community that would change the world. Now, last week I read this, a paraphrase from Dr. Gilbert Bilzekian. He says it this way as he paraphrases this picture of the church that we, you and I, are invited into. He says there was once a community of believers who were so totally devoted to God, their life together was charged with the Spirit's power. In that band of Christ followers, believers loved each other with a radical kind of love. They took their masks off. They shared their lives with one another. They laughed and cried and prayed and sang and served together in authentic Christian fellowship. This community of believers offered unbelievers a vision of life that was so beautiful that it took their breath away. It was so bold, so creative, and so dynamic that they couldn't resist it. Now, we are slowly walking through this important passage. We're going to spend several weeks talking through Acts 2, 42 through 47. We'll get to all the things that these people did in the early church, but I want to go back here to who they are. Because we know who they were. They were a group of diverse people. They weren't all the same. But they had the same experience. They had the same Savior and Lord. And I want you to see what they did. They devoted themselves to God and to each other. Listen to Acts 2.42 again. It simply says, starts out like this. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. Now, these words were originally written in Greek, and the word devoted is, a, is the word, one of, it's one of these like super really long Greek words that's super fun to pronounce, and I will probably get it wrong, and I am totally okay with that, um, but this is what the word looks like for devoted. Proskaterontes. This is an incredible word. I wanted you to see this. I wanted you to see because there is depth in this word. It's one of those words that you look at and you see and you say, there must be a lot going on here. And there is a lot going on. It even, as we translate that into English, we think about the word devoted. There's so many words that we could use in this space, but this word devoted has a whole lot of meaning to it. A dictionary de definition would be something like this. It means to occupy oneself diligently with something, to persist in something. It means to put all your focus, your energy, and your resources into something. And we all do that. We're all devoted to something. Here's the question that I want to have for us, and I'm asking myself, I'm asking you, I'm asking us to think about this. As we enter this season of life getting back to normal, what are we going to devote ourselves to? As you've already begun to enter this season, you've begun to answer this question for yourself, what are you going to devote yourself to? Now, if we're not careful, as we become fortunately busy in our lives, 
As I was talking to somebody and we began to talk about that, that's something we began to say. It's a quote now that I want to use. It's a, it's a way of describing the season of life. Fortunately busy. Yes, we are all fortunately busy. But if we're not careful, we're in danger of devoting ourselves to becoming the they that we are not meant to be instead of the they that we are called to be. If we're not careful, we are going to be the they that is defined by the kind of house we have, the neighborhood we have, the car we drive, the job we have, the kind of vacations we take, the stuff that we do. Now, all of those things are okay. It is okay to have joy in our lives. It's okay to go have fun. It's okay to have things. It's okay to experience life and to, to want good things for our family. That's okay. But the question is, what are we devoted to? See, if we get it out of whack, if we say that is the priority, that's what matters, I'm going to put all of my energy into making that happen, then we become the they that we were never meant to be. Instead of becoming the they that we should become. The they that we are called to be, the we, they that we can be, the way, the they that we should be that we find here. A gathering of people from different backgrounds, communities, and families coming together as one family, united and devoted in our love for God, for each other, and for sharing the good news of Jesus with our world. See, when I look at the early church, when I see this picture of the kind of people that they came, when I read what Dr. Gilbert, Gilbert Bilzekian said about them, he said they captivated the people around them. In fact, the word that, that he uses is this. He says, This community of believers offered unbelievers a vision of life that was so beautiful, it took their breath away. It was so bold, so creative, so dynamic, that they couldn't resist it. Now look, when you read that, you realize that these people didn't go off and live somewhere else. They didn't separate themselves from community. They didn't leave their neighborhoods. They didn't leave their homes. They didn't leave their jobs. They didn't leave their families. They didn't leave the schools they were part of. They didn't leave those things. What happened, though, was they devoted themselves to a different way of life. They prioritized different things. They, they, their lens was the way of Jesus. Their lens was exploring the way of Jesus with this group of people being changed as they walked together. And that's what we can be. That's the kind of people that we can become. That's the kind of people that we can and should be. Not just going to church, but being the church. Being changed by the message of Jesus together. Being empowered by His Holy Spirit. Asking questions. Learning. Growing together. Offering unbelievers a vision of life. And offering ourselves a vision of life. That is so beautiful. So bold. So creative. So dynamic. That we can't resist it. And it takes our breath away. And it's so beautiful. 
it takes the breath away of those living around us. And he says they couldn't resist it. And the Lord added daily to the number of those being saved. That we begin to live in such a way that people are attracted to this way of living life. Yesterday I was talking to a friend and she was saying that she works with someone and this person who doesn't follow Jesus, who is unsure about the, even the question of faith at all, said, if I was going to follow, if I was going to believe in a God, it's your God that I would believe in. Friends, that's what being devoted looks like. What would it look like if people around us simply said, if, if I was going to believe, if I was going to give my life, I would give my life to that God. I, I would give my life to your Jesus. Because your church, your community, your family, your life is so bold and so creative and so beautiful that I can't resist it. And that's what it means for us to belong to a they that is devoted to God and to each other. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this message. We thank you for this text. We thank you for this story. We ask God as we move into this series that we would learn to be people who are even more devoted, who ask questions about what it can look like to be the church and to share the good news of Jesus with our world. Help us to worship, to serve, to fellowship, to share, and to love in a way that reflects Jesus in this world. And if we do that, God, we know. We know that the good news will be shared. And we know that others will hear the story of Jesus. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we have. We thank you for the time of fellowship that we continue to have. And we pray that you will continue to bless our church, bless our community, bless our families. And be with us in everything that we do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.